welcome back. back. <laughs> We've missed you. We've missed you so much. We're back like that dinosaur movie that happened once called We're Back. Oh, I don't know that one. I never saw it, but there was a cartoon. It's probably in the 90s uh-huh. called We're Back a probably Dinosaur Tale or something like that. Oh, was it The Land Before Time? No, no, no. That was okay. the 80s. Okay. Yeah. I know her. Well, they made those into the 90s. They made yeah, like they seven. Made like seven. Yeah. yeah. They made no. entirely too many. I only saw the first one, and that is near and dear to my heart. Okay. The Land Before Time. Petrie. Oh, little Petrie. Yeah. We called one of the kids in the neighborhood that because she peed in the tree. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, and Littlefoot. Oh yeah. Littlefoot, the main character, and and Sarah, the Triceratops. Oh yeah. And they spelled it C E R A. Of course. Why do I know so much about the Land Before Time? Uh, you apparently loved this movie. I did. It is that and like American Tale or childhood cartoon favorites i feel like i was never super into the land before time but it was one like the girls across the street i lived across like mm-hmm. loved and so i'd always watch it at their house okay yeah yeah it was so sad i barely remember what happens oh little foot loses his mother extinction's <laughs> rough man <laughs> and then there's a t-rex chasing everybody sharp tooth sharp tooth is oh the yeah name. It's all coming back. It's all streaming back into oh, my, yeah. my consciousness right now. It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. The dinosaurs <laughs> and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and dinosaur shit, actually. Exactly. As uh, it happens. We're back just reminds me. There's an HBO show called We're Here. Oh. Yeah. Where it's like sounds... drag queens go to like rural America. Oh, yes. No. It's they... supposed to be phenomenal. I love all the queens in yeah, it. I just never watched it. They were supposed to like record it and then the pandemic happened, right? No, it's all, they've had like three seasons. Okay. Then they recorded it right before the pandemic. I, there was a podcast talking yeah. about it at one point. And I know the pandemic put a like halt in it for a second. Yeah. Cause it's Bob the drag queen, right? Yeah. He's one of them. He's okay. one of my favorite drag queens, oh, yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. I don't so follow funny. too many online. I follow Bob. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. Him and Monet are launching a cosmetics line now, which I think is great. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Especially because like, I don't follow the cosmetics world too much, but I'm happy to see more brands both for and run by people of color yeah. because it's been too long with five shades. Yeah. And cosmetics. everybody needs different colors. Like right. everybody needs choices options things to play with too right and like we don't need to give the rich old white man who owns l'oreal any more money to not make cosmetics that work for everyone no yeah i'm very pro small business cosmetics i am too yeah just i mean in small business in general general, that's what i was thinking i was like all small business support local support Mm -hmm. small yeah small business 2023 yeah. instead of Saturday, just the whole year. The whole year, small business year. Uh, that would be lovely to be able to do that. Right. But it's uh, a lot of work. It's a hustle. It it's a hustle I do not have the energy for. Yeah, same. Um, or the, the monetary backing to oh, do yeah. all the time, unfortunately, as much as I want to. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all about the hustle and I just like can't. Yeah. But we do, we, you know, we hustle what? in different ways. And also you do what you can when you can. Yeah. I think like that's the important takeaway is do what you can when you can. Yeah. So support what you can support. Even if you can't support financially, you can still support things. Yeah. So 
Yeah. There's options. Absolutely. Beautiful options. Yeah. Speaking of local things. Yeah. I don't know how to transition, but you were in an interactive theater. Yes, immersive theater. Immersive, sorry, theater. I like was joking with our friends. I'm like, it's happened. I'm finally doing dinner theater uh, because it is dinner. It was th- dinner, yeah. Yeah, I got dinner. It was theater. Uh, but yeah, it was Tony and Tina's wedding, which they've been doing in Detroit since like 98. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was here that long. So there are people in the cast that have been there since 98. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like a, been a long running show. And like, this is the first time they brought it back since the pandemic. These tickets were sold in 2019. I would say rescheduled because of the pandemic. Yeah, rescheduled. That's so wild. like people like have had these tickets for years. So they were hungry for this show. Mm-hmm. That's wild that they didn't just reimburse and then redistribute. You know what I mean? No, for sure. It is crazy. And also like everything was just very last minute with this production. Like the people running it didn't know until like December it was happening. Wow. And so then they had to scramble. And like, that's the only reason I got cast is because they were just desperate for people. Okay, stop it, first of all. Well, no, that's but it I, is the only no, reason I knew about it. The opportunity was open and available yeah. because of that. The only reason I found out about it is because someone in the Ants in the Hall show that we're in posted a screenshot of a Facebook status. That's funny. Yeah, because I don't check Facebook. As evidence that I checked Facebook because someone was like, oh my God, there was such a great picture of you from that the rehearsal. You look very Michael because that was my character's name, Michael. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know. And so I like looked on Facebook and I had 16 friend requests. Oh, wow. All from people from the cast. Yeah. Most Ants the Hall people, but like other ant people. And I'm just like, I wonder if everyone just thinks I hate them because <laughs> I do not check Facebook. I think today people realize some people just aren't on it. I don't think yeah. anybody takes it as like a snub or anything like that. Okay. I'm on it and then not on it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm very all over the place with it. Although I've been getting more digit like messenger things on there yeah. lately, so well, I'm trying makes to get it better hard too. Because someone added me to a, like a Facebook Messenger group chat of like people I was like not friends with any of them, so mm-hmm. it went to that weird like messenger oh, yeah. request Actually, folder, yeah. mm-hmm. which just kind of shows up as a red one. I'm like, where does that come from, and why can't I get rid of it? I'm like, oh, I have some weird hidden message. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Instagram does that too, although. Yeah. I'm okay at checking those sometimes. Actually, we have a message on Instagram. Okay. Speaking of, yeah. I forgot to prepare this, but yeah. we do from a while ago. So I apologize for this taking a long time, uh, but we took a break. Yeah. And then we took a longer break than expected. Yeah. But you know what? We ha- we had to listen to ourselves. Yeah. You know, take your own advice, self-care and whatever. So I think just in general, with 2023, our release schedule, we're moving away from weekly. We're going to try as much as we can. But, yeah. And we'll let you know when things are coming out. But mm-hmm. And sometimes it might even be weekly once in a while. It yeah. just matters how things work out. But it we're going to do our regular. best. Yeah. I think the goal is maybe a couple times a month at least. Yeah, for sure. So, And you know, we'll try to probably keep the same release day. Yeah. But we'd rather do that than rush through it yeah and put out shit (laughs) no for sure because for lack of a better way of putting it yeah do you want to hear this message absolutely so this is from a user named jill on instagram okay and they say hello jessica and alex my name is jill chanel and i just learned of william douglas street's passing pause do you remember william douglas street 
He was that chameleon guy. No. He was a con artist and impersonator. Uh-huh. And there was a film named Chameleon Street after him. So he was known as like the chameleon uh-huh. and the great impersonator. And um, he just did like crazy things from what I remember. Like he would use checks to buy like, you know, fancy like Rolexes and like big things like that. Uh-huh. He would get arrested from time to time and kind of all over the Metro Detroit area. And he just did a bunch of really wild stuff. Yeah. I forget the episode number, but there is an episode about him if you want to like learn specifics of it. But they go on to say, I went to law school with Doug and was close friends with the woman he dated there. Man, I wish the two of you and I had met when you were working on your story about Doug. As you can imagine, his time at law school was quite eventful and ended with a bang. Feel free to contact me if you'd like to swap stories. Absolutely. So, Jill, if you are still out there listening, yes, yes, yes. We would love to hear more. Yeah. We would love to revisit that and hear absolutely more about that. No, that is for amazing. Sure. And also apologies because it did go into that weird other folder on Instagram. Yeah. So it took a second to see and then we weren't recording for a second. But yeah, uh, I'll respond to you on there as well. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for your message and get in contact. Let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had a lot of a lot of exciting things going on. Yeah. It's been a, a lot of stuff's been happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. We're bringing back an old classic today. We are. It's been a minute. We have a cocktail. A beverageino. And this is actually an episode rewind. We are revisiting a story when we were young, new podcasters. Back in the days before COVID. Back, way back though. Yeah. Uh, We were recording in the studio space. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Mm -hmm. her. Uh, audio is a little choppier. I'm uh, glad we kind of like it out. was very <laughs> nice that we had the option of the studio space, yeah. but because everyone used it, it was hard to get it reliably set up for what we needed. It very much was. We we have a much better streamlined setup now, even yeah. though it took me a little time today because it's been a second. But no, for sure. But like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, what's the cocktail name? What's so in it? So this. This is a prohibition era cocktail. Okay, so strong. We're finding it in the speakeasies. Yeah. Uh, the story does not have to do with speakeasies or prohibition. It's just around yeah. that time. But this is the bee's knees. The bee's knees. The bee's knees. We got some gin. We got some honey simple syrup. Ooh. Some lemon juice. Lemon. And a little lemon um, twist. Ooh, in there too. We love a twist of lemon. We love a twist in general. We do. Uh, so cheers. Cheers. Clink. <laughs> We're across the table or else we would. Oh, and I, I would like to mention, I use the good gin. I use the two James. The two James. Yeah. From Corktown. It's a perfect amount of James. It's the, the great amount of James. Uh, but I, if somebody is a gin drinker, I do highly recommend the two James gin. Oh, it's I great. think it's spectacular. Yeah. And the price point is, for what you're getting, is great. Right. And again, supporting local, supporting small. Love it. We're their doing all their the bar things. is great, too. I love their bar in Corktown. It's cute. It's so cute inside. It's in Corktown, right? Yeah, it's in Corktown. Okay. It's next to Cork and Gable, too, which is also a very cute space. That's a, a restaurant. Okay. I've only been there for brunch. Their brunch is good. It's been so long since I've been to brunch, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I it, This was, like, the first time I'd been to brunch since all the yeah. things. 
Um, and I went, no, I only went once, but it was good. It was yeah. very good. And the prices of the food were actually surprisingly good. Yeah. Because it's kind of like a really nice-ish place. But yeah. It was a fantastic experience. I want to go back. If you want to go to brunch at Cork and Gable, Absolutely. <laughs> I should say about the last time I went to brunch, and it was a brunch date. This was also a brunch date. Okay, That yeah. I'm referring to. Yeah. It's probably the only... I was like, brunch? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when I was asked. Sounds yeah. Sounds good. They're actually putting, like, a brewery right next to it, too. Like, in this... Oh, nice. ...area. Like, next to Two James. I will admit, I've been becoming more of a beer person lately. We have to go to Brew Detroit, okay. also in Corktown. I think it's a hidden gem right now. Yeah. It's never busy, which is kind of a plus, but the food's really, they like smoke their own meats. Yeah. I went last night. We had beef brisket nachos. Ooh. Yeah. They have wood fire pizzas and they've got some sandwiches and really good salads too, actually. And then, you know, soft pretzel, like all the some pickle fried pickles and all that kind of stuff. And then they have their beers on tap. Most of their beers on tap uh, as well as like, they've got some seltzers that they brew. Uh They're the ones who brewed that when Stroh's came out with the um, Bohemian. Okay. The redo of the original recipe in episode insert number of that episode here. I don't remember what the Stroh's episode was. Oh, I know. Stroh's was earlier. Yeah. I want to say like sixties or seventies. Okay. Completely making that up, though. I have no idea. Yeah. But they were the ones who brewed that when it was coming out. Oh, cool. Yeah. You had a much classier evening. So I had similar food, but we were at Applebee's. (laughs) Because what the fuck else is open and worn at 1130? Yeah. Applebee's, man. They. It just gets weirder every time I go in there. They have Cheeto hot wings now. Like they have like they have a whole line of Cheeto inspired products now. I don't want Apple- it. Yeah. I don't want it at all. It was it was weird. I feel like Applebee's is just kind of like how can we involve more product placement in our menu and that's the vibe I'm getting mm-hmm. from. Which like back in the day when I was a teenager, Applebee's was not a bad choice. Yeah, and it wasn't like a terrible choice. I mean, we got some appetizer yeah, samplers and stuff. It was like fine. It was food. Yeah. It was, you know, because there is something about, like, after a show like that, you want to, like, Hang debrief out. with the people you're with, yeah. have some food, and kind of mm-hmm. just, like, before you go home, kind of unwind a little bit. Yeah. So you go home and you're just like, ah! Yeah. There's a lot of energy after a show. Yeah. And you need to expel it. <laughs> yeah. And Applebee's was apparently the place. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Don't know if I'll go back anytime soon, though. That's also fine. Yeah. That's uh, A-OK. Yeah. <laughs> Well, with all of this energy. Yes, yes, yes. Are you ready for a story revisit? I am. The name Bees Knees, I'm having like flashbacks to the studio of you making the Bees Knees. Mm -hmm. But now I I cannot remember what the story is with it. That's okay. I'm going to ask you what you remember about this story first. Just because it's kind of fun. Yeah. The story is about the Detroit occult murders. Okay. And Benny Evangelista, a.k.a. the Divine Prophet. Yes. Okay, wasn't like a family was murdered on some random street in Detroit. Mom, dad, and like two daughters, maybe? Let's see. 
It, yeah, there was something like they blamed it on some woman because a cult and because she did like occulty things, but it was really just very mild stuff. Like she's kind of like, let me read your palms and make some tea or something. I'm going to say you're about 50% on track and 50% off track. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into it. Hell yeah. I'm going to say a disclaimer. And I actually said this a very similar one during the first one. There are some mentions of the word voodoo here. Yes. And mentions of the occult. Keep in mind, this is going to be taking place in, you know, the late 1920s kind of era. So these words were used very incorrectly at that time. And, you know, they don't actually talk about the actual factual study and practices of voodoo. You know, that is an actual thing. Their boss voodoo is voodoo chips. (laughs) Exactly. So we're just going to keep that in mind. (laughs) So this is a cold case to this day. Okay. And it's definitely worth a revisit because I did gain some more information about it as well as find a source I did not find the first time. The police work was not at its finest in this case. And really, it never had a chance of being solved because of the police work. Not shocked. (laughs) We start our story July 3rd, 1929. Okay. Vincent Elias went to visit a man at his house for a 10.30 a.m. meeting to talk about real estate. Okay. He arrived at 3587 St. Aubin Street to see 43-year-old Benny Evangelista, or Evangelist, both are said. Yeah. And he was carrying the deeds to a farm Evangelist had purchased from him the previous Monday. Mm -hmm. He knocked on the door, but there was no answer. Knowing they had an appointment, he checked to see if the door was unlocked. It was. Mm -hmm. He decided to step in. He called out, but no answer. So he headed down the hall and found Evangelist's office. The office was a small, dark room with a single window. Elias then peeped inside, and as his eyes adjusted, the horror of what was in the room set in. Uh Benny was seated at his desk, His body slumped over. Benny's hands were neatly folded in his lap as if in a prayer position. Uh And worst of all was his decapitated head sat next to his feet on the floor. Rough. Rough day. Very rough. Naturally, Elias ran from the house and immediately summoned the police, Mm -hmm. as one would do. Yeah. When police officers arrived at the house... What they found inside is more mind-boggling than something from an A24 movie. That's a solid line. I I think so, yeah. Upon further inspection of the gruesome sight of Benny at his desk, one source cited that he was wearing wizard garb. Work. Whatever that means. I hope he looks like the wizard from Fantasia. (laughs) That's immediately what I imagine, although suspect is not the case. Yeah. Disney did not produce this murder. They did not. To we are uh, knowledge. I don't think they were. They didn't exist quite yet. I don't think. What I year think, was this? 1929. Yeah. It think, was like the 30s, I think. Yeah. I think Disney was doing stuff, but it wasn't like the Walt Disney Company. Yet. Yeah. Maybe some Mortimer Mouse. Well, I think Steamboat Willie was 1929. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know if it had made it to Detroit yet. Yeah. So behind Bunny was a large crucifix mounted on the wall alongside an image of the Last Supper and two swords, just to kind of give an idea of the office. Yeah. There was also a wig and beard, which Bunny was said to wear during readings with clients. Uh 
But what was most puzzling was the three photographs in a frame of a child in a coffin that were carefully laid out alongside Benny's head. These photos were later determined to be of Benny's son post-mortem who had passed a few years earlier around the age of one. Okay. Looking or which that was common to take pictures of children post-mortem uh, sure. in this time period. It was. No, yeah. Which is I mean, real wild. I saw one the other day and it was like a family's of, it was like children from a family and the one on the left was post-mortem and the others weren't. Wait, were they in the same picture? It was like yeah. sister brother and then dead brother? It was like dead younger sister and then like three other siblings, like brothers and sisters. Was the dead body just like goalie positioned in front of them? No, okay. they had it. They had um, her standing, obviously eyes closed. How? What? Next to the children. Yeah. What in the doll stand uh, corpsing? What are they doing here? Yeah. Okay. I, it was just it, it, they did that then, though. I, fair. Okay. Well, and photographs would take long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the exposures had to be the they were long exposures because that's where photography was at at the time yeah. as well. So uh, not quite as much as it was before, but it wasn't, it was newer, yeah. you know? So in looking around the room, they would also notice pages and torn covers from many copies of a book called the oldest history of the world written by Benny Evangelista himself. Ooh. Yeah. So that's like littering the room. Uh-huh. There was, not a ton of evidence in the room. There was, however, one bloody footprint and possibly one small bloody fingerprint on the doorknob. Ooh. The horrible things they would see this day, though, didn't stop there. They headed upstairs and they found Benny's wife, 33-year-old Santina Evangelista's body hanging over one side of the bed. Sinu was the only thing keeping her head slightly connected to her body. Nearly headless. Yeah. One of her arms was also extremely damaged and barely attached. In her other arm laid the body of their 18-month-old baby Mario with a crushed skull. Just through an adjoining door to another room, there laid the slaughtered bodies of their three other children. Identified police as four-year-old Jean, five-year-old Margaret, which was actually determined later to be five-year-old Matthew. Oh. Yep. And seven-year-old Angelina. Two of the bodies were laid in a pair of twin beds, and the third was on the floor. All three bodies had blows to the head, and one of the children's arms was almost severed as well. The weapon used was suspected to be an axe. Yeah. In the basement of the house, near a stash of alcohol, they found a shrine. The walls were lined with light green cloth, and when looking up in the basement... One could see a tangled mess of wires and puppets. Some who knew what Benny was doing in the basement would later identify that each object hanging represented one of the, quote, celestial commanders detailed in Benny's self-published book, The Oldest History, Uh that had also been strewn about his office. In the center of the display was a large electrically illuminated eye. Uh And this was meant to represent the sun. Okay. Some officers in the local precinct knew of these puppets as evangelists had once asked permission to exhibit them to the general public, but his request was denied. There was a sign in the one window kind of looking out to the street alongside them that read, Great Celestial Planet Exhibition. Uh 
I believe he also charged people to come see it. Cool. Yeah. Little side hustle. Yeah. Well, he has, we'll get to his side hustles. Uh-huh. The investigation that day gave police two ideas. Initially, they thought it was not a robbery as nothing from the house seemed to be missing. But it should also be noted that no money was found in the house. And it would later be determined Benny was due to visit a man later that day to pay for some services. Uh-huh. So he probably would have had money. Yeah. The time of the murders were probably around midnight. And these murders did resemble another family killing that had taken place about two weeks earlier in Detroit. But there was no connection found between the two families. Okay. Other than really just like families slain. Mm. So Benny's history. How'd we get here? Let's go back and learn a little bit about Benny. Benjamino Evangelista was born in Naples, Italy in 1885. In 1904, at age 17, Benjamino moved to Philadelphia to join his older brother, Antonio, while Americanizing his name to Benny Evangelist. But in a few short years, Benny and Antonio would soon have a falling out. You see, Antonio became increasingly concerned when Benny, in February of 1906, began to have visions that did not align with their Catholic upbringing. Oh, no. Yes. Very conservative Catholic upbringing. The visions, which they also referred to as trances, would occur in the early hours of the morning between about midnight and 3 Mm a.m., the witching hour. These visions gave Benny inspiration to start writing a book series about them. You see, they weren't about just anything. He was receiving celestial messages about the creation of Earth. Essentially, he was writing his own book of Genesis. Uh-huh. Antonio tried to talk to Benny, but to no avail, and would go on to disown him in 1908 by sending him away. Uh-huh. Benny moved to York, Pennsylvania at this time to start a job on a railroad construction crew. And he and Antonio basically barely ever spoke again the rest of their lives, maybe a little bit here and there. Uh While in York, Benny observed the region's faith healers and started to dabble in hex magic. Okay. You see, at that time, the region of York had a large number of followers of Germanic and Dutch folk religions. While exploring these new ideas, Benny also made friends with another immigrant from Naples named Aurelius Angelino, and the two became close and started to dabble in matters of the occult together. Okay. Before we get deep into it, just a f- quick refresh about occult, because that's a pretty an, umbrella term. Yes. So the etymology of the word itself comes from the Latin word occults, meaning clandestine, hidden, secret, Ooh. and it refers to knowledge of the hidden. Ooh. So basically stuff you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> stuff that, like, Science doesn't can't show. Yeah. yeah. At its core, it is a set of esoteric supernatural beliefs and practices that fall outside the realm of traditional religion and science. Uh-huh. This could include phenomena such as magic, Ooh. mysticism, and spell work. Cool. It can also include other supernatural ideas such as extrasensory perception, ESP, parapsychology, and of course, my favorite. Paranormal. Ooh. The actual term occult sciences was used in the 16th century Europe to describe things such as astrology, which, I mean, has some science, some not science, uh, alchemy, and astral magic. Wait, 
Which one? Astrology is like signs, astrological signs. Okay. So that's using the planets in a way that impacts us in certain ways. And astronomy is... Look at that star here. The space, how it's far like it space. Is. Okay, yeah. space science. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I always confuse the two. They're incredible. I mean, they have the same root. There's like one word, one letter difference. Yeah. I have to stop and think sometimes because I'm like, okay, that one. But basically, occultism itself emerged in the 19th century France and was introduced in the English language in 1875. So it's only like around for like 50 years at this point. Yeah. By the 20th century, the term occult had developed into subsects such as theosophy, anthroposophy, sure, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and New Age. Ooh, all of which fall under spiritualism. Yeah. So we've talked about spiritualism quite a few times on here. It's a fascinating, especially yeah. in this time era, very fascinating. Very different today than it was then. Yeah. Basically. You know, the school of thought, strong beliefs in life after death in some sort of spirit world and being able to communicate yeah. with said spirit world. So back to Benny. He's getting into all that. In 1919, Angelino, his bestie, did something very shocking, though, that would kind of rock Benny's world uh-huh. in a bad way. One day, Angelino attacked his family with an axe, even killing two of his own children. Damn. He was quickly sent to the Fairview State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, a prison. Yeah. And Benny was probably pretty traumatized by this kind of occurrence. And by 1921, he moved to Detroit. Okay. Kind of some new prospects in business here and stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. So once in Detroit, Benny started to work as a carpenter. After saving a bit, he started to invest in real estate. And soon he became a pretty successful realtor and landlord. At some point, he also married his wife, Santina. One source actually stated that the two had not been married long at the time of the murders, uh, indicating that the children may have been from a previous marriage. But again, I could not find their marriage record or anything like that. So Benny's children got murdered or Antonio's? But at the time of the murders here, so 1929. Yeah. and. So he's married to Santina. Again, don't know when, but they were married at this point or at some point during this. And they had children and they would go on. They had four children in total. It should be noted that despite Benny's interest in occult studies, he and his wife still took their family to church every Sunday and all the children were baptized. Okay. So, and his wife, I did read something. I didn't write this down, but I read something that, she was like cool with what he was doing. We're going to get into some of his um, occult beliefs and things like that. And she was cool because she felt it all tied together still, like under the same umbrella of like just being spiritual. Yeah. So his real estate was, was stuff was going well. And he took up a side hustle, as many do. Uh-huh. One that aligned with some of the things he and Antonio had been kind of experimenting with. Uh-huh. He supplemented his income by selling herbs, hexes, and other, quote-unquote, spiritual remedies, Uh such as chants, dances, and even possibly animal sacrifice uh, for cures for curses. Okay. He cast astrological charts, and he spoke in prophecies. 
Uh, and in addition to this, he started performing psychic healing for a fee, which could go about as high as $10, which was about two days of work on the assembly line. Yeah. And just shy of like 200 today. Yeah. He became known throughout the area as a man to see when you need some healing. Okay. He went so far into his faith healing that he actually got licensed by the state of Michigan to practice medicine. Oh. But his license had a stipulation. He could not administer drugs or prescribe medicine. Okay. So That's fair. That's it's very fair. fair. Although at that time, you could just go like get heroin over the counter. Well, yeah. maybe not these days, but that, that day. But yeah. It was like exiting that period. Well, and most of his remedies were like of the herbal. Yeah. You know, kind of. I think he still gave that. He just he couldn't send somebody to a pharmacy. Yeah. I don't think he cared because that wasn't what he was going to do anyway. Right. And some people who visited him, visited, that's hard to say. Some people who would visit him would later go on to talk about their disappointment at the lack of effect of his practices, though, and they felt they were scammed. Mm, it's a bummer. Yeah. So it actually, though, became very lucrative. And he was able to buy a house for he and his family at St. Aubin and Mac Avenue. That's the street at St. Aubin. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, again, that's like the Eastern Market area now. Yeah. And the house. I was just down there last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The house itself was quite large, very comfortable for a growing family. It was painted green on the outside and had a wide porch for sitting on. Very, you know, idyllic. Yeah. It also had a basement. As we you know. know, yeah, it has been noted that if someone passing by stood on the right spot and cocked their head a little bit to the right, they could actually see inside the basement, past the sign, and even catch a glimpse of Benny's great celestial planet exhibition. Ooh. So let's talk about that. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, but using paper mache wire, wood, and wax figures, he built a display of nine planets represented by these figures. So they're actually like figures, not planets, but each one stood for a planet. Yeah. With a sun, with the electric eye at the core. Uh-huh. Uh, what onlookers would not see, however, was the rest of the basement where Benny practiced more rituals. Uh-huh. This is where he mixed things for spell work in his exes and potions, as well as carried out magical sacrifices using a crude altar, as well as knives, bottles, and jars. Uh-huh. He would charge visitors a nickel to enter the basement to see the celestial display. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, the Great Celestial Planet exhibitions. Thank right. you. There was also many copies of his self-published book. Which was harder to do in those days. You couldn't just put it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. No. Like these days. No. His self-published book had been published in 1926, so three years prior to this. Again, the title is The Oldest History of the World Discovered by Occult Science in Detroit, Michigan. That's the full title. Rolls off the tongue. It's very much like a mid-2000s emo song. (laughs) Very much. Very long title. So remember those trances he used to have between 12 and 3? Yeah. They never stopped. They were like forever. He compiled them into this book. Okay. So, last time I had searched for the book, I had a very hard time and could not find it. However, found it. Ooh. You can buy a copy on Amazon for $1,895.54. Or you can go to Scribd.com, which gives you a month free when you first register, and read it. (laughs) 
I did that one. preferred option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you would hell of a write off if you bought the book. Mm-hmm. It only has two reviews on Goodreads, uh, which I really enjoy Goodreads. Actually, if you're not, familiar. I don't look at it enough. Yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with it, but I also just don't read enough. Mm-hmm. I need to read more, but like, it's so hard. It's been around for a long time, but it's basically like um, the movie one, Letterbox. Uh, let, yeah, it's yeah. like Letterbox for books. books. Mm-hmm. Although I think it'd be more accurate to say the Letterbox is the Goodreads, Goodreads for movies. movies yeah. yeah, I love Letterbox though. So it has three out of four rating on Goodreads with two reviews. The first one, because these are fun. Quote: um, First off, I made a film about this, as the story amazed me. First told to me by my friend Ted Pia Shoda, this book is insane and amazingly strange book. Uh-huh. Outsider lit at its wackiest. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one did not actually have a review with it, but which is like a stars situation, like put that many yeah. stars. Mm-hmm. In a foreword published on the script, the one that I did access, the author states that to his knowledge, there are only three copies of the original book. One is at the New York Public Library. This copy can be traced back to and was more than likely sent to the library by Benny himself uh-huh. as it arrived before the murder. Uh-huh. And it was since put back to print in 2001 with a digital copy following in 2008. Perfect. The original was a nightmare to print. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Evangelist had big plans, though, as he intended to ter- also turn it into a motion picture. That was one of his things. And also, this is one of a series of books. Are there any theories that he was murdered because of this? We'll get to that. Okay. Okay. So basically, it's Benny's, re- as mentioned, rewriting of history, starting with his own version of Genesis. I wrote, hey, Bible, hey, for some reason. I have no idea. Hey, why. Bible, hey. <laughs> and it follows. Holy Bible. It follows up until roughly a thousand years before Noah and his Ark in that first volume. There's some recognizable characters. You might know him or her. You might know Adam. Her to him. Eve. Yep. Cain. I, less familiar, Abel, but yeah. I know, Cain I know. and Abel. Uh, God. I couldn't tell you what they did, but I know, I've heard the name. One, names. it's the brother. One brother killed the other brother. Well, that's rude. Yeah, it was. It's like. Party foul. I don't know. They were Adam and Eve's kids, and one killed the other one. Fratricide, I think. I'm surprised I know that because I don't know that much. There's a line about in the Tony and Tina about Ecclesiastes or something as a book of the Bible. I'm like, I that was the first time I'd heard it. And I saw a bumper sticker on it like the next day. I was oh. like, I never heard this. And my brother's like, I knew because I grew up Catholic. I'm like, I did too. I just must have not have been paying that close attention. It. Apparently, it. yeah. <laughs> but Ecclesiastes? Are you kidding me? I even knew that actually, though. You did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I well, could I, not tell you what it's about or anything, but I recognize I that. I zoning that week and Bible, Bible study or whatever. So many of the characters, though, are also Benny's creation in this book. Okay. And again, I am not well versed in the Bible. I read the first three chapters of this That's book. That's about as far as I got. Oh, it's, the Bible. Probably say I did try to read Genesis when I was younger at one well, point. Well, it, it just drags on because it's like, 
So and so, the son of so and so, daughter of so and so, friend of this person who lived in this stable, who is the daughter of the. It's just yeah. like, no. This we don't has need a this. little bit more action until there's too many like people living in too many places. And then it's all about like the fighting between them. And then it becomes more like that listicle like, yeah. version of like, and this place did this to this. And I was like, I can't continue now. I'm yeah. going to read about it, but I'm glad I like dove in. I, I actually retold the first couple chapters. Okay. Just for my own understanding of them. Mm-hmm. We might put a little excerpt of that at the after show part. Okay. So in a forward of the copy, though, I read, it's noted that it went on read for nearly 75 years and has since had no literary recognition or to quote the author of this forward, no one has found meaning within its pages. No one has found inspiration. No one has found a style influencing enough to warrant imitation. Damn. <laughs> and perhaps the best review in the forward given by the, in the republished version of it, uh, by Jarrett Kobeck is the writer of this. Uh. Quote, Finally, we might ask, why even bother reading Evangelist? Why bother bringing him back into print? Most people who attempt to read this book will fail. This reflects nothing on them. The text is difficult, confusing, and sometimes illiterate. There are valid reasons behind its historical obscurity. For all the bad, there's an enormous amount of good. There are moments of shocking clarity and outrageous beauty, a poetry of misuse, word juxtapositions that would never occur in the writing of a person even minimally trained in the language appear nearly every sentence. And they're strong. The point of direction English never took and never should. The oldest history of the world is outsider art. There's a whole world of origin that's hardly been seen and never been examined. Most of it is gut-wrenchingly awful. Practicality demands it be ignored. Do practical demands dictate literature? So again, Quite a review. I know. It's like, I love to hate it. Yeah. Basically. Would you like to hear Benny's forward in the book? Absolutely. Okay. Quote. My story is from my own views and signs that I see from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. I began on February 7th, 1906 in Philadelphia, PA, and it was completed on February 2nd, 1926 in the city of Detroit, County of Wayne, state of Michigan. On the new earth, the last one was created by God, the Father Celestial and the great prophet Miel. We call it today the Great Union Federation of America. I am with the power of God and I respect this nation. In this book, I shall express all my views of the past 20 years. In this great continent, we are all the generations. Wow. (laughs) What? Yeah. So he did almost take exactly 20 years to the day to write this first volume. Uh And in these visions, he believed that he was basically being contacted by God to tell the correct history. Cool. That usually ends well for people. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear a little bit of chapter one? Sure. Before the creation of God, there existed nothing but air and water. Today we find land, men, animals, etc. 
Between the air and water, there were the seven winds. At that time also lived fish and serpents. When the winds united, a tempest always arose, and they never agreed so finally, decided to choose a leader who would take command of everything. After this decision was made, they formed a large coach of clouds with the strength of the air and wind, which they closed well. After 90 days, they opened this coach, and in it found a phenomenon, the aspect of human being. It had arms, no legs, two large wings on the arms, and one on its back. A blonde bear, and it was seven times the size of normal man. The phenomena was so strong and bright, he gave to the air and wind a surprise and gave him a great enthusiasm and was pleased to have their first child. The winds named him God and gave their strength, and he began to fly. And with the help of air, his strength multiplied until it was 39 times stronger than all the winds together. Sounds beautiful. <laughs> um, so basically it starts with God's, the creation of God. Yeah. And then the creation of Earth, or the, I'm sorry, the creation of the other planets. Yeah. Uh, they are all given a, a celestial being to represent them as we're representing Sailor the Scouts. basement. Yeah. Uh, and they were also, Eternity was also hanging out. Eternity is a character a form sure um so they're pluto cards <laughs> as well as light the sun and moon eventually the creation of the ruler he called eldam okay who along with seven other commanders united to rule earth cool yeah so like i said afterwards if you want to hear some of my transcriptions we'll do it at the end okay because I was just taking notes for myself to see if I could understand this yeah. wild text. And it's kind of funny. Yeah. So this book was the first volume of what Benny intended to be four in total. And this was the only one he completed, though. Uh-huh. It extends 4,305 years before Adam to 1,116 after his birth. Most of it being after yeah. the birth of Adam. Uh, the second was planned to begin at that same time and go right up to Noah's Ark. The second book? Yes. Okay. The third was to be at the time of the flood to about 2,450 years after the flood. And the fourth was to begin at the time after the flood through the New Testament, about 5,995 years after the flood. And it was to conclude at the dawn of what he termed the third world, the birth of Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so back to the actual case itself. Sorry for the side journey, but fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. So on July 4th, the day after the murders in 1929, the story broke in the free press. The article, sorry, the Detroit free press. Ooh. The article spoke of Vincent Elias, the man who was going to meet him, and what had been found inside. Basically, all of the details, like nothing was kept at all. Yeah. And some of the other odd discoveries police made were also noted. Quote, several pieces of women's undergarments, each tagged with the name of its owner, please point out, reveal that the so-called mystic indulged in practices of voodooism or devil worship. Such garments, 
voodooism has it, can lead to the finding of a missing person when they are properly handled by one versed in the mystic arts of that belief. And soon after all that, the rumor started. Okay. So that same day, a different newspaper article cited Wayne County coroner James Burgess commented stating that, quote, This is the most unusual case. A single perverted maniac must have killed them, although it seems impossible that some of their screams would not be heard. Ooh. Also that same day, the every police squad in the city was ordered to join a citywide search. And there was also a $1,000 reward offered by the police for information leading to the arrest of a suspect. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the worst articles published was just a day later on July 5th, page four, Detroit Free Press again, and it would contain a half column entitled Solutions of Killings is Seen in the Stars and cited Detroit astrologers' speculations of the events. Okay. I love astrology. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I say worse, that was somebody's opinion. I could not find the article itself. On July 6th, the news reported that while a crowd of about 3,000 people packed the streets, there was funeral services held for Benny, his wife, and children. Uh It also added that the Slayer indirectly added another victim, possibly. Uh When Mrs. Florence Morris, 36, mother of five, was following this story and feared for the safety of her children, threw herself from the window of the 35th floor of the Barlam Tower. Damn. Also in the crowd of the funeral, an arrest was made when a man was, quote, acting queerly, excited, suspicious. Okay. Very telling things, right? Yeah. Uh, But after questioning, he was let go. They were in the crowd of this funeral looking for suspects for anybody acting weird, basically. They were like, oh, the murderer will probably come here. Yeah. If somebody's being bizarre, it's them. Right. They were also looking to talk to members of what they thought was Benny's cult. Because okay. they believe he had a cult with this book and everything. Yeah. But they couldn't find anybody who admitted to membership. And it's it's interesting because some of the sources talk about his cult. But there's no indication that he actually had one. Yeah. Other than he put out materials that could be used in one. Uh-huh. But there was no like meeting space, membership, like anything like that. So the police were not doing anything to keep newspaper reporters or the dozens upon dozens of onlookers from gathering around the house. Absolutely contaminating the whole scene. Uh Just everywhere. Yeah. Nothing. Sometimes contradictory theories or details of the scene were coming out because of this as well, because stuff's getting moved and like, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Police tried their best to talk to neighbors and clients for more information. But unfortunately, most of the neighbors were recent Sicilian immigrants who were not exactly open to talking with the police. Yeah. There was a lot of hostility against Italian immigrants in this time period. So they were like, no. English, no. You know, kind of thing. They were unable to get even one of them to make an official statement to provide information for the investigation. And keep in mind, they had hundreds of names from Benny's records and personal trinkets they found throughout his home, but most would not even admit having had known him. 
I thought it's very Sicilian. Mm-hmm. So people are quiet. They did find some people to talk to because they were very desperate. This was like a big sensation. Yeah. They questioned hundreds of people. Again, some of them not talking. Yeah. And they even made numerous arrests, usually of people who were living in the area at the time, unfortunately, with a history of mental illness. Uh-huh. Uh, but they were all released because there was no, literally no evidence. They were just like, maybe it's you. Let's arrest you. Yeah. That being said, they were able to gather some usable information from some of the questioning. Uh-huh. Some people reported to have previously seen Benny around and stated that he was often in the streets staring at the sky mumbling to himself. Uh, he told his medical doctor, who, for lack of a better way of saying it, believed Evangelist was insane. Yeah. Of his plans to finance a film of the oldest history of the world. And Benny believed it would transform Detroit St. Aubin Avenue into second Hollywood. Uh, okay. Which is also kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. I didn't see that part coming. No, me neither. I thought he just wanted a film to like spread the word of his. Yeah. Visions. Yeah. But, but he was. Yeah. Like, big no. dreams. Yeah. They did also talk to his lawyer, Anthony Esperti. I tried my best. Yeah. And Benny had been sued many a times over real estate deals, but that didn't really seem strong enough for like the murder of his whole family. Yeah. Fair. Um, psychics also offered their services to police and newspapers, but nothing came of it. One psychic though, did give a description through their visions of a man who is shorter than medium height with darker skin and reddish hair. Uh-huh. I blame the name Rouge. Yeah. They also cited that the man was egocentric, strong, wiry, and agile. Ooh. But other astrological information said that it was actually a woman who did this. But not Santina, his wife, who is responsible for the crime. Which, how could how could she chop off her own head? I mean, that that's yeah. very crude. But, like, I, nobody can, can decapitate themselves. Well, that with that attitude. <laughs> the psychic was also confident that because Mercury and Uranus were 50 degrees apart that evening, that the crime would be solved quickly and easily. <laughs> they were wrong. Because um, Mercury was in retrograde. <laughs> isn't it always? Yeah. Uh, it's not now, actually. Everything is forward. There's nothing in retrograde right now. Fun, fun fact. That. Yeah. As for Benny's criminal history, just that's something you look into. He had one misdemeanor over improperly installed plumbing. So nothing from that. Yeah. However, all that being said, they weren't without any clues. Again, they had that bloody footprint or that bloody fingerprint located on the doorknob Uh uh, and that footprint. But later, this was determined to be Benny's fingerprint. Mm, Okay. And fingerprinting technology was very different. Unless it was already on record, you had nothing yeah. to compare it to. So it took them a while to get to that. Yeah. Uh, other findings by the police. Uh, when they searched his office, they also found two types of business cards. One for his contracting business. Makes sense. Uh-huh. The other read, quote, Mr. Benny Evangelist, divine profitile, author, and private history writer. There was also a record of a call made by Benny the evening before. Uh-huh. 
This was to the watchman of a house that was about to be demolished. During this call, he told the man to save all the salvageable lumber and that he would arrange for pickup and delivery to his house. Uh. Benny was supposed to meet a delivery man the morning that his body was discovered. He was also supposed to be paying the man for this service, yet no cash was found in his home, as mentioned. Police were never able to uncover the name of the delivery company or the man itself. Uh-huh. Uh, so this lead went very cold. Yeah. But also something to think about. Yeah. They also found several notes in his home that pointed to the thought that Benny may have once been threatened by the Black Hand or La Mano Nera. Okay. This was a criminal group that focused on taking advantage of wealthy Italian immigrants. Has this come up with another story? Am I just remembering it from this? You're remembering it from this one. Okay. Maybe another story too, but definitely from this one. Okay. The most recent of these letters was about six months old, six months old and warned. This is your last chance. Ooh, ominous. So this was like one of the first theories they investigated because that is ominous. Yeah. But little problem. By 1929, it was well known that it probably wasn't the Black Hand because they basically were defunct at this point. Yeah. Uh, They had evolved, but they evolved into the traditional mafia structure of organized crime. Uh And what were they focused on in 1929? Mm, Stealing cars. I'm just kidding. Mm. Prohibition. Prohibition. Yeah. So extortion was Especially small, yeah. singular extortion. Like he, it's not the real money maker in this scheme. No, he was. They were comfortable, but he wasn't like outrageously wealthy or anything. Yeah, uh, and that's just not what this group, these groups were doing. And again, like that particular group didn't exist anymore. Everybody kind of moved on. Yeah. Uh, so more than likely, whoever was trying to extort money from him was not taken very seriously by Benny. He's probably like, no, I yeah. no. And they were most likely an amateur just looking for an easy Quick buck. Y- yep, exactly. So probably not someone who would kill an entire family over. Yeah. It. Another theory though, there's a local man, 42 year old man named Umberto Tescio, and he had visited evangelist the night before the bodies were found. He was making a final payment on a house that Benny had sold to him. Tescio was also accompanied by his friend, Angelo DiPoli. Police suspected him even more. Uh-huh. So the two men were actually brought in for questioning the day after when an axe and a stain with what appeared to be blood banana knife, which is used to cut bananas from the stalk, kind of curved. Uh-huh. And a pair of very clean and damp, freshly washed, perhaps work boots were found in the barn behind the boarding house they were staying in. Uh, these items were determined to belong to DePoli. Both men claimed to know nothing of the murders. They both said nothing unusual happened during their visit to the evangelist home. They dropped off the payment and then they went out drinking after together. Newspapers caught wind of the story though, and they ran with it. Uh, there was a very large prejudice as mentioned against Italian immigrants. So casting suspicion on Tescio and DiPoli was very easy. Uh-huh. Some reported that three months prior to the night in question, Tescio had actually killed his brother-in-law with a knife during an argument. Uh-huh. This is true. 
It's unclear how he escaped prosecution for this. Some sources say, though, it might have been self-defense, but Uh there's nothing concrete. Regardless, it put him as a suspect in the eyes of the police and the public at large. Uh But due to lack of evidence, no confession, he was let go and passed five years later. Gotcha. After Tessio's death, a newspaper delivery boy came forward and told police he had seen Tessio on the evangelist front porch the morning of the murders. But again, there was not enough evidence to corroborate, and Tessio was already gone, so... Yeah. It's not like they had CCTV. Right. Police also suspected one of Benny's tenants, who was posthumously accused by his ex-wife. Okay. Wait, what? Yeah, so this tenant of his had passed, but his ex-wife was like, hey, my ex-husband did it. Okay. Um, what? Sure. Yeah. So you can imagine the validity there. Yeah. After investigating, it was determined that his thumbprint did not match. Yeah. Which I'm like, did they dig him up? Possibly. I don't yeah. know how long fingerprints last because like, the body decays. Obviously. That's true. And I mean, they might have had it from another. He he might have committed something. It, yeah. I couldn't even find his name. So. Yeah. Here's another theory by the police. Favorited by the police. So remember Benny's friend Aurelius Angelino, the one who axed his family? Yeah. In Pennsylvania? Well, in 1923, so six years prior to this, about four years after he'd gone to uh, prison, uh-huh. he escaped, never to be heard from again. Wow. Like, literally disappeared, no trace. And so there's speculation that perhaps he made his way to Detroit. And there's literally no proof of this. It's just like, Maybe well, that was happened. an axe. This yeah. was an axe. Maybe he got there and was mad that Benny was like, doing well or you know yeah making money with what they have been doing and then there was another theory that it was actually him pretending to be benny uh-huh like benny had already been disappeared and this had been early aurelius angelino the whole time which uh-huh. i'm like what <laughs> yeah again though going into that theory of him and then how did somebody can't decapitate themselves <laughs> like yeah go back to that time and time again with a lot of these so things started to get cold but then in march of 1920 the associated press published a report with the headline eyewitness to brutal detroit axe slaying finally turns up oh after all this time yeah turns out there was an eyewitness oh it was the dog that belonged to the evangelist family. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> you see, the dog had disappeared, which makes a lot of sense. Someone's murdering people. The dog's probably like, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. But there was record of the dog's license number. Nobody could find him for years. And then in 1930, a Roman report, or not years, nobody Months. could find him at first. Yeah. Then in 1930, a woman reported that a dog with a 1929 license, because apparently you license dogs like you do cars, I was just registration, that, yeah. came to her home. And after discovering who previously owned the dog, she decided not to adopt it. Fair. 
but also they could not get any information from the dog. <laughs> well, I'm sure they tried their hardest. Yes. What's even a little stranger, though, is after three years, someone nicknamed the rear axle murderer, also Robert Harris, confessed to the evangelist slayings. We've solved it. Yeah. No. <laughs> At first, the police rejoiced. They'd gotten their man. But then when they actually looked into it, it was found that he was lying. He had actually killed another man by the name of James J. Smith as a sacrificial victim uh-huh. on an improvised altar in his own home. But that's a story for another time. That's a story for our next episode. Ooh, Because okay. we're going to continue on St. Aubin Street because there's a few things happening here. Ooh, okay. A few other small leads have popped up from time to time, but nothing with traction. There's also been other confessions. Again, all lies. Yeah. What's most strange, though, is that the evangelist murders bear a resemblance to some of the violent deaths described in Benny's book. Ooh. Did he prophesize his own death? An article from the Detroit Free Press on July 17th, 1929 reads, quote, They suggest that, motivated by such delusion, he may have incited one of his followers to commit the crime. The singular ferocity of the murders, however, introduces the theory that the family may have been dispatched out of motives of revenge, probably by some dissatisfied patrons of the faith healer. So that's kind of where the paper left it. And that's how it's been left for... Almost 100 years now. Wow. Very cold. Uh, The house itself was since demolished. uh, Had a little hard time selling it. I can't imagine why. Yeah. And all that remains now, to my knowledge, is an empty lot. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Detroit. I did look it up on Google Maps, but I haven't driven by there. Yeah. Uh, I should have told you when you were there last weekend. Oh, I (laughs) I think you didn't know until I was already home. Yeah. But there are many who have reported that that site is haunted. People uh-huh. have talked about hearing disembodied screams. Some have seen a headless man walking on the lot only to vanish in plain sight. Uh-huh. Uh, some think that maybe they're trying to solve things or tell their story. Yeah. And that is where the Detroit occult murders have been left. Case cold. Very cold. Yeah. And just wild. I mean. Colder than Walt Disney's corpse somewhere, (laughs) wherever it's frozen. Yes. Cryogenically. Yes. But yeah, it's kind of, it's, I mean, some of this is definitely police buffoonery. uh, Oh, Letting people be on the scene and such right away. And newspaper, I think, sensationalism of it also kind of led to a lot of crossed wires and inaccurate information. Yeah. Uh, This is the best collection of information I could put together. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, I'm going to cite my sources before Uh I forget. There are quite a few of them I did add from last time. But uh, AmericanHauntingsInc.com and Little-Wikipedia, Goodreads.com. And Scribd.com, where I access the oldest history of the world with an introduction by Jared Kopech, put out in 2008 digitally. Uh-huh. Uh, historicmysteries.com, 
click on Detroit.com, drvitelly.typepad.com. <laughs> and also, I found another book called The Murder of a Preacher, The True Story of a ba- of Benny Evangelist by Jess Willard, which also has some more stories we might explore in it. Ooh. And that's where we're going to leave St. Albans Street for now. Okay. But we're going to revisit it in our next episode. Fun. Mm-hmm. A dot, dot, dot. Yes, a dot, dot, dot. Okay. Ellipsis. Yes. I love an ellipsis. Same. <laughs> well, that's fun. I can't wait for the dot, dot, dot part yes. of the story now, too. And, like, I'm glad you did a rewind of this one because I forgot how many crazy details there were to this. Yeah, and I did find there's definitely more. There's a lot of that was in the first episode, but there's more peppered into this one for sure. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah, it was it was a really fun one to research again. I bet. Yeah, it's just it blows my mind. Yeah. I have a bit of an improvised two truths and a lie. Love it. Because we I love kind of forgot impro- about that for a minute. We love an improvisation. Yes. So I've decided that for your two truths and a lie, I'm going to do events that happen in Tony and Tina's wedding. Okay. I know very little about it. So. Yeah. So event number one, mm-hmm. the father of the groom's girlfriend does a strip tease to the song Live in La Vida Loca. Okay. Number two, mm-hmm. a drunk nun flashes her bra like during the first dance. Okay. Number three is there is a food fight between the head table and the groom side of the family. I feel like all those are very va- like believable yeah i think because the first two are bigger i'm gonna choose three as the lie three is true okay good acting by the way yes (laughs) thank you you had me fooled (laughs) so is it one or two oh i forgot about that part um who danced to love live in la vida loca the groom's father's girlfriend so I'll let you know that the groom's father runs a strip club. I think somebody else danced to it. I'm going to go with that as a lie. I think somebody danced true. to it. Damn it. Okay. Yes. I'm glad. You're too good of an actor. Well, I mean, so the the middle lie, the lie mm-hmm. is one of those, like, I just changed a detail. I okay. Changed a few de- so so like, you were tricky. Yeah. So the sister... Gets drunk and somehow ends up on the ground flashing her cheetah panties to the audience. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was like a very me. like technical. You got lot. me though. Yeah. For on the spot. I'll take it. Because there is some like crazy shit that happens during the show. Does all that happen in the movie version as well? Some of it. So like it's interesting because the movie version is a bit more... It's obviously closer to the source material because, like, the version I was in mm-hmm. has been going since, like, 98. And they've kind of been, like, adapting it for, like, where we are. Okay. So, like, in the original movie, I think it's maybe, like, Brooklyn or something. Or it takes place, like, Long Island, like, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Well, the show itself originated in New York, yes? I believe so. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. So it was, like, a group of friends, like, came up mm-hmm. with the idea for this and, like, 
So it's, the, the show itself has been running since the 80, I think like 85. Okay. But we were from Harper Woods was where the supposedly we had grown up. <laughs> uh-huh. Went to St. Veronica's Catholic Church. Sure. Which exists in the area. So like the movie, um, which I was going to do, my truth is lie about the movie, but I decided not to. Of like, who's actually in the movie. Mm-hmm. You already told me so. That's why. That's why I was like. <laughs> I've been like, Mila Kunis. <laughs> like, because Mila Kunis is Tina, the bride. Mm-hmm. My character is played by Adrian. Granny or Grant? Adrian. You know, the guy, the shitty boy from, from uh, Devil Wears Prada. The curly hair, dark curly hair. That's weird. We were just talking about that last night. Um. Because somebody thought it was Mark Ruffalo, and I was like, "No, I could see at that time period they they had similar vibes at that time." Is it Adrian, the guy from that from that one show, Entourage? But he's also from like um the the OC. Was I don't know. I don't. I think he was on the the OC. Maybe curly curly dark hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that guy. His name's Adrian something. Yeah, it's Adrian G. (laughs) I can't remember. It's like Grenier or something like Adrian Gardier. I always want to say Brody, which I know it's not. Yeah. So like, but I, yes. Yeah. Which he gets thrown out for taking off his pants and sitting on the wedding cake. I got thrown out because I ruined the daddy daughter dance, which was between Tina and her brother because her dad is dead. Oh yeah. I grabbed, I literally had to grab the mic from the singer and just be like, it's a nice day for a white wedding. The movie's not great. I will say the movie is not great because how do you capture immersive theater on a movie? So it's kind of just yeah. like the highlight of the beats. And it, yeah, I it's still it's it's a fun watch. It's a quick watch. It's like ninety minutes. I'm looking up his name just so we know because it's gonna bug me if I for sure. And there's like other people in that too, movie too that Don't. you would know. Oh no! For I mean, you were you were listing names the other day, and I, oh, Sebastian stands in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh no! Okay, the guy from Entourage. Not even who I was thinking of, but now I know Adrian Grenier. Adrian. Adrian. Who did I say? Did I say Adrian. No, you said. Oh no! You just say Adrian. I'm sorry. I don't You're, know. You did. You did. But we come different. Still different yeah. one than I was thinking. Of. I don't know what I was thinking of. Yeah. I don't know things. But. Yeah, so we'll improvise two truths and a lie. Okay. We'll, yeah. ta- we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. I think that wraps us, though. I think we are wrapped like we're a back, doggy bag wrapped. from Andiamo's. <laughs> we're back. We're wrapped like a doggy bag. Yes. That was weird finishing. I know. It's been a second. Yeah. Oh. So... Like I said, stay tuned on our social medias for when episodes are going to drop. We'll post it there and, you know, other things. We'll try. We'll remember. <laughs> we'll try our best. We're, yeah. We are trying our best to do all the things. But again, we we want to put the work into it that we can. Yeah. The time into it that we can. Yeah. So um, we're still here. Yeah. We we're still, still love here. you all. Yeah. Thank you for listening. It's, yeah. It's pretty incredible, actually. And we are very fortunate. Yeah. Uh, Cause we love bringing stories. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to find us, you can find us at Detroit strange on Facebook, on Twitter at Detroit strange at gmail.com. Uh, if you want some merch. Yeah. There's the threadless shop, threadless.com. I think slash Detroit strange. Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, it's still there. Still there. Um, Patreon, still there. Yeah. And, you know, Jill, reach out to us. We'd love to chat with you. Set something yes, off yes. for sure. That would be a lot of fun. And, you know, in the spirit of these rewind episodes, if there's any episodes that you can think of that are like, man, I wish you would have gone deeper in or the audio quality is mm-hmm. meh. Yeah, Just let us know. We know. We yeah. know the audio was pretty bad in the for so a while there. Early days of podcasting. You're or just getting the hang of it. When we were trying to stream for a hot second. True. Those ones aren't great either. So yeah. yeah. Uh and let us know. Do you like the rewinds? If yeah, do you yeah. like them? Or are you like, eh, I'm gonna skip them? Well, if you skipped it, you're not, not listening to this. this. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Uh let us know what you think about it. We always love hearing from yeah. anyone. Like it's it's really it's a, it warms my heart actually, to hear from people. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting, like, teary-eyed. Oh. Well, I think... Before I cry. Yeah, before um, before Jess starts crying, let's go ahead and say, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence. Okay, so if you're sticking around, this is uh, what I call (laughs) the book in a nutshell. Okay. Because I, these are my notes from figuring out this book. So chapter one or the rest of chapter one, I read the first paragraph of it in the episode. Uh Uh, So it goes on to discuss dialogues between God and eternity. Again, a character, Uh the winds and the phenomena quote phenomena Uh of the waters. Uh, And then the eventual creation of the sun in order to melt ice, to liberate the land of earth, which he ices from time to time. Uh-huh. The earth needed a gardener, and so God put uh, a creature called Eldam, as mentioned. Yeah. And then the moon was created, and it was an enormous head with two large eyes, the man in the moon. Uh-huh. This is all followed by other servants to God as well as the planets, each with their own sentient servant of God. Uh-huh. Uh, they would obey his command while he returned to his kingdom with where eternity in him would chill. Uh, there was a pecking order, though. So apparently Mercury led Saturn, and the two did not get along. Just not a good pair. Yeah. Saturn also had some beef with Mars, who in turn overthrew Saturn. <laughs> then for 52 years, Aldom created animals. Okay. They were not helpful, and he got mad. Fair. <laughs> so <laughs> see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he asked for an assistant. God told him to go to the sea and ask for some fish milk. Sure. was actually a dolphin. Yeah. Not a fish. And bada bing, bada boom. After breathing on it and covering the dolphin milk in dust by the ape, which sure. I think was actually just a mountain, for three days, a small hairy creature came out. This eventually grew into a child who was named Adam. Cool. From from fish milk. (laughs) Yep. In dust. Don't forget about covering it in dust. Yeah. Eldom taught Adam how to garden the vines so that Eldom could 
so that all of them could fuck off and fly around in the air. Like, he was like, you do the work, I'm going to go fly. Right. Because remember, he has wings, I think. Sure. Uh, Adam was bummed he couldn't fly, so he asked the birds if he could pull some feathers to make his own wings. So he made some rope out of grass, and he tied his them to the eagles and he tried to fly to God's kingdom but the rope broke and he fell into some tree branches <laughs> all of them found him and felt bad so he went to go tell him about it all about it meanwhile Adam visited the sea and noticed that he resembled dolphins cool this is when he found out that dolphins were his parents so he dove in and almost drowned this is wild <laughs> no but the dolphins saved him because they were like, we don't want you dead. Right. Adam was upset that he couldn't fly, though, and he couldn't live in water. So when Eldam got back, you know, from chilling with God, he complained to him. Eldam then told Adam to stay in his lane. <laughs> <laughs> stay in your lane, brah. You're not land or sea. Is you're that- land. You're not sea. You're not sky. You're land. That's basically what he said. And I was like, oh, that's harsh. Yeah. So then Adam ate grapes for 32 years. <laughs> Damn. I can only imagine the dumps you would have. You ate nothing but grapes for years. Apparently that's all they ate, though, was grapes at this oh time. Oh, my God. And this is when Eternity, you know, kicking it with God up in <laughs> the kingdom. Yes, the character of Eternity. Yeah, was like, um, Adam needs a friend. <laughs> He's just sitting there eating grapes, looking longingly at the sea. He needs a friend. It's been like 30 years, bro. So that's when they called up Venus. And they were like, yo, Venus, could you create a companion with some doves? And she was like, I'm your Venus. I'm your power taking a rib. (laughs) Well, actually. Oh, he didn't. No, no ribs. No ribs in this story. She went to the dolphin Um, and was like, can you squirt out some more milk from the teeth you don't have? The doves. Oh, of course. Silly me. So basically the doves, they made a a nest and Venus would give them some milk. Okay. Because you need milk to make a baby. Apparently. And in 21 days, a companion for Adam would be created. It's a little longer than like, (laughs) yeah, you know. Three days. Three days for Adam. 21 days. Yeah. But you know, perfection takes longer. Right. As it happened, the new creature resembled the sun. And Venus was like, she's too pretty. Adam is ugly. I don't want to put them together. Okay. So Venus went back to God's kingdom and said, I can't leave her there. But eternity shot her down and pointed out that humans can't live in heaven. Duh. Yeah. Then God got threatened. or Then God threatened Venus to listen to eternity. He was like, stay in your lane, bitch. Exactly. So Venus took the creature back, told her, hey, I'm your mother. Your name is Eve. And then told her she had to be Adam's, quote, comforter and companion. And told her, quote, if you disobey Adam, you're disobeying God in eternity. So we get a little creepy here. Yeah. And then she dipped out. (laughs) Mom said bye. She was like, I gotta fly back to my planet. Mm Mm-hmm. Adam was sleeping when Eve arrived, and he was really freaked out when he woke because nobody told him any of this was happening. Oh, yeah. He called to Eldam to rescue him, but Eldam was probably up in the clouds fucking around or something because he wasn't around. Yeah. Then Adam and Eve got to chatting, though, and he gave her some grapes. 
Oh, good. He shared. Mm-hmm. And He's probably like, I'm fucking sick of these. Do you want them? Mm-hmm. And eventually he built a, a hut out of branches for her. Okay. So Aldom returns and he was shocked to find Eve because, again, nobody told him. <laughs> he There's a lot of miscommunication. Yes. He was pissed. And Adam stepped in, though, and defended her, saying, quote, leave my companion alone. She is mine and no one shall harm her. Again, gross. Yeah. Eldon backed off and apologized. Whoa, sorry. Sorry, bro. And he checked in with God, though, to make sure it was all cool. God was basically like, yeah, don't you touch a single hair on her head. Which, of course, made Eldon's resentment towards Eve and Venus stronger. Because he's like, no, no, I'm kicking it with you, God. Like, what are you doing with Venus? Yeah. Yeah. So Adam began to respect Venus more or respect Eve more and more. And he was kind of like, oh, Aldom's being a dick. Like, uh, mm, I'm not going to listen to him as much anymore. Aldom got salty about it and he wanted revenge, but he didn't want to be punished by God because that would suck. Yeah. So he tried to harm them. He asked the dolphins about it and they basically were like, no, Adam can do what he wants. (laughs) Leave our kid alone. Leave our dolphin man boy. Aldom did not like this, so he chatted with the serpents instead of the dolphins who were pissed about being on, quote, earth without privileges because she, meaning Venus, in the quote, was always, was always be annoying to us. It's very hard to read. Meanwhile, the planets, the celestial beings, they all took their turns ruling Earth. They kind of like seasonally or whatever. Yeah. And now it's Venus's turn. So she visits Eve and then she goes to work traveling around the Earth. To just check on it all. Because yeah. it's a big place. On the third day of Venus's command, Eldom turned himself into a serpent and he visited Eve. And he told her that he couldn't tell her or he couldn't tell her how to be more calm and tranquil. Okay. And that she would see a serpent following Adam to help her with this. Uh I think she needed to be more calm and trinkle. The serpent will be near her and she won't even know it. Uh This is literally like, it doesn't make sense now, but it didn't make a sense in it either. In the text. He felt kind of uneasy because she's like, what the fuck? She visited Adam and then their love turned to hate. Oh, no. She became kind of like suspicious. Uh Uh-huh. For months, she felt disturbed, but she didn't really know why. Like, she couldn't pinpoint it. She went to Eldam and she asked for advice. Wrong. Mistake. Yeah. I'm just say that. He seems shady. Oh, yeah. Uh, he told her it was probably something she ate. And it turns out she actually had an infection from a serpent. Okay. Uh, so Eldam talked to his higher up and basically said, hey, yo, Eve's infected and it could infect all of Earth. So she should be destroyed. Uh-huh. Uh, God was like, no. I'll take care of it. God grew suspicious of Aldom and thought he was turning Adam and Eve away from him. Yeah. And Eternity was like, hey, leave Adam and Eve out of it. It's Aldom's fault. Yeah. Venus checked in with God, who told her that he thought the planet was betraying him. So the two of them, they all visited Earth, but in the daytime, so they wouldn't scare Adam again because he's easily scared. Uh-huh. And that was the first time Adam met God. And his voice freaked him out. He was Uh, scared again. 
He did note that he was the father he never met and tried to visit with wings, but couldn't. Uh-huh. Uh, meanwhile, Venus and Eternity were visiting even her hut, and Venus introduced Eternity as their celestial mother. Okay. Eternity asked what had been going on, basically, and Eve's answer was, the snake confused my mind. Uh-huh. Eternity basically was like, mm, well, here's some light transmissions from the snake. Me and yourself and the infection will be cured. Okay. We're good. <laughs> Eve asked Eternity if it was offended that she'd become friends with a snake. Eternity basically said, no, just don't have faith in serpents. Don't trust them. Adam and God showed up and everyone got introduced. Finally, Eldon was called in and God was pissed. Eldon basically claimed he'd done what he was told, but that what um, when Eve showed up, Adam forgot about him and didn't want her or Venus around, so he decided to get revenge. So he kind of came clean. Uh-huh. God was not having that though, and punished him to quote travel or to travel quote around the moon fifty two times a year. Okay. If he didn't obey that, everything would be taken away. The air, water, land, and the right to be God's servant. Eternity asked God to calm down so as not to scare Adam and Eve. God calmed down for the love of eternity. (laughs) This is like, I'm loving this Bible fanfic. (laughs) Then everyone was chill and Eldon went to the moon to begin punishment. Cool. Adam felt guilty and hoped God wasn't mad at him. God just asked him to obey him and gave him some commands. Basically, they should multiply to populate the land. Don't go against the wishes of eternity or God. Love everything as himself. Don't be deceived by serpents. Teach their children all that's right. Understand that God is the master of the land, but everyone can enter and cultivate or else the serpents would ruin it. Okay. So... God called Jove, which was one of the planet commanders, okay. to protect Adam as Venus was protecting Eve. Uh, he told Adam to listen to Jove, but if there's something he disagrees with, to give him a call. Okay. <laughs> Shortly after, Adam saw a bear with three cubs, and he went to Eve to tell him all about it because it was so cool. <laughs> he swung the door open to the hut, and Venus stopped him. Eve gave out a large cry, and he thought Venus was harming her and went in defense mode, but Venus quickly turned around with a baby in her arms and said, quote, here, Adam, is your first fruit. To which Adam said, what is this? Uh, <laughs> Those were both quotes directly okay. from the text. Uh, Adam then wanted to call God. It had been six months since he'd heard from him, so he went outside. He called out. God was basically like, don't fuck it up. And then Adam held his new baby. He saw the mama bear cur- nursing the cubs, and he realized their babies needed to be nursed, so he had the bear do it. Cool. Yeah. Then he realized Eve should probably learn to do it, too. Yeah. Then, as expected, as per God's words, they would have more children. And when they awoke the next day, there was another baby. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. When they awoke the next day, they expected another baby. Oh, okay. There wasn't, though. So Adam called to God and was like, hey, where's the other baby? God was like, slow down. 18 months will pass before you have another. Also, call this one here now, Abel. Okay. Abel was very healthy, except the damn serpents were trying to harm him. 
So Adam whined to God for protection, and God told Adam and Eve to go to the farthest point of Egypt near water because the serpents couldn't go there. He also told them to take as many animals as they could with them and told Adam once they were settled, he should come back and set fire to the ape mountain to kill all the serpents. Okay. That's chapter one. Oh, my God. You want chapter two? Do you have it in you? I do. I do. Okay, good. (laughs) I stop when it gets real, like, redundant. Okay. That's where I stopped reading. But so Adam and Eve, they get to the new pad. It was shit. They brought some animals, but they left the serpents and the wolves and the beasts behind. Adam went back and he set fire to the mountain as instructed. Some of the beasts fled, but not the serpents. Adam had some trouble gardening in their new home. But in year 54, Eve gave birth once again to a son they called Cain. I guess it had been 18 months. Uh-huh. This is the only mention of years, by the way. Up until now, there's like, I believe, like no mention of years. But then it's like year 54. And I'm like, why yeah. are we starting with this trend now? Right. So Adam immediately started talking about having more kids. The more children in his mind equaled more happiness. Uh-huh. But he knew they wouldn't have another until Cain was walking. So in year 55, the next kiddo was born, a girl. God told them to name her Ola. Adam wondered why Cain looked so different than the other kids, not resembling him or Eve. And God basically said, don't worry about it. Year 57, they had another son, Ido. Year 58, another one. This one was very hairy. They named him Dorian. Okay. Year 60, brought another daughter. God named her Cola. Okay. Year 61, another daughter, Spara. And it was followed by a son, Doman, in 63. This is when God told Adam there would be no more, which bummed Adam out. Uh-huh. They had eight children now. Fair. Uh, when Abel was 20, God told Adam and Eve to pair them all up. Gross. Yeah, you know. But I mean, uh, there's only eight How else do you get there? Right. Yeah. But Cain didn't want to be with Cola because she was short, and he was pissed that Abel shouldn't be with Ola because she was too tall for him. Uh-huh. So he became jealous and thought of killing his brother. So one day the two of them were out staring at cows, and he saw opportunity. Cain um, grabbed Abel around the neck and choked him and buried him under some stones. God saw it, was pissed, uh-huh. and yelled at him. God's voice, which Cain had just heard for the first time because God's not really like coming down and yeah. keying with them. Yeah. As it were. And he, Cain fell backwards and rolled down the mountain and fell to pieces. His head rolled all the way back to his parents' hut. Uh-huh. And then it literally says in the book, quote, when Adam saw his son's head, he knew something serious had happened. Fair. God comforted Adam and told him not to cry for Cain because Cain brought death and had to be punished. Yeah. After burning Cain's body, as God told him to do, and retrieving and reburying Abel's, it started to rain for three days, three nights. Oh, Abel died too? Abel died by Cain. Cain murdered Abel, and then he fell down and his head rolled off. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Please follow this very succinct story. So it rained for three days, three nights. God did this to wash away sin. Adam was super sad and became ill. His other children couldn't comfort him. He wanted to die. Adam couldn't believe God let this happen, and he put Ola, one of the daughters, in charge. And God blamed Eldam. Yeah. You know, he's up around, he's flying the around somewhere. the moon or whatever, but yeah. he's, it's his fault. 
They all moved south and they began again, but Adam was still sad and eventually came, quote, became very stupid. Okay. God, Venus, Eternity, and Jove, again, Adam's new dad uh-huh. uh, or guardian, went to visit Adam, but he didn't want to see anybody anymore. Even Eve could not console him. God put Ola in charge and she in turn gave birth in year 74 to a son named Ambus, who was Abel's kiddo. Okay. Yeah. So when Adam saw how much Ambus looked like Abel, he again pledged himself to God and he lived, but sadly in year 81. So like five years later, no, seven years later, he died. Uh-huh. God told them all he's going to be staying with me now and he'll be rewarded for what he's done. The family was bomb. Eve died shortly after. Ola went in to have 12 more kids with her brother, Ido. They weren't alone, though. More and more kids, more and more incest. Yeah. <laughs> All the things. Ola invented linen, and they started to wear clothes. Cool. Ola was a good leader, but died in 142. After her death, no one ever heard from God again. Ambus, her son, was in charge, so they listened to him. He ruled until his death and. T- year 217 and his son Doman took over and quote married a young woman named Dave Dave? Dave reread it multiple times Doman was respected and obeyed until 224 and that's when people began to change at this time there was 422 families 29 left and formed a new group under command of it said Davin but I'm like is it Dave? I don't know and Canaan uh-huh. 13 other families were in a region called Kale uh, near the original mountain. And in 274, Sarah, a man named Sarah took command. He took a few friends and went to Kale and took over. Cam was much smaller, had a new commander every three months. Other cities had new commanders every six months. They all had their very specific new commander rules. In Canaan, though, they had King Alton, who was a dick. Yeah. He ordered men to have five wives instead of two to increase the population, and women were slaves. Mm. This continued until 304. And Sarah, who was the original mountain, heard about this and was like, fuck that. We're going to free those women. Yeah. So he gathered an army, went to fight. Alton thought Sarah was small and this would be no big deal. They fought for four hours. And while Sarah was more successful, it wasn't a clear victory. Alton eventually suggested they fight with staffs instead of hands. So the next day they met with sticks, but Alton was much bigger. So Sarah called to God for help. God heard the voice telling, oh, and then he heard a voice telling him not to be afraid and that he had help. Sarah came to Alton so, came at Alton so fast, Alton didn't have a chance to even use his big stick. Sarah broke off Alton's head and threw it into Alton's army. Alton returned. Uh, I'm sorry, Sarah returned to Can and freed the women and yelled at the men for letting it get to this point. He went back to Kale, where he was from, but ran into five robbers who had taken a girl from Kale and were taking her to Canaan. He killed them, set the woman free, and her name was Spara. He told her to follow him, and they went up to the mountain, and Sarah said, thank you, God. God said, good job. You can have Spara's love. (laughs) (laughs) But Sarah, being a man who believed in consent, asked her, and she responded by saying, this is God's wish, and you freed me from those guys, so yeah, you have all my love. Fun. They all returned home, super into monogamy, they held hands, and then they were married. <laughs> okay. Um, marriage, marriages started happening in the light of the moon with a vow of, 
quote, we swear to remain united as man and wife. Everyone ate fish now and okay. fruit, not just grapes. Cool. Glad um, to hear it. But no other meats. Animals were used for clothing. Okay. Not everyone loved Sarah, though. So he and his wife and six other families went to the old place in 376. And huh. they also started to eat other meats. Okay. <laughs> Very important information. Yeah. Uh, other cities grew, some divides happened, some went to new locations, some places chose new rulers every six months, as mentioned. Uh, some were pretty terrible. Uh-huh. By 432, things were peaceful in some places, but Sarah died the next year. Okay. New kings came in. The first prophet of the land was born of a set of triplets uh-huh. named Fit Indy. The kids looked for food. The three triplets were looking for food in the woods one day, and they began walking, and Fit Indy heard... Quote, Fit Indy, here I am to acquaint you with God, your heavenly father. The kids were scared and ran, but Fit Indy's foot got tangled in weeds. And then God spoke to him and said, do not try to examine because I am your celestial father, God. Fit Indy asked for food. God gave him food and some seeds to plant more potatoes and food to eat. Uh Why potatoes was specifically mentioned, I do not know. Um, and eventually God told him that he was a prophet to represent him on earth. Okay. The people of Kale came and stole some food. Got, God got mad and destroyed it because stealing's bad. Fit Indy was there and the people were like, get out of our field or we'll kill you. But God burned it all because he was like, no. Nah. Yeah. And so Fit Indy went on and told his dad everything. And then it just continues with like. Yeah. All these things. That's where I kind of stopped. Yeah. Wild. (laughs) And like, I did transcribe it into how I would, you know. Yeah. Knock out some of the details and make it like a little smoother. It is that wild though in it. Except for more words. Yeah. (laughs) I love when people come up with different origin stories. Yes. And again, some of it is like, oh, yeah, Bible. And some is like, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. So I love if, that eternity was like a character or a person, too. Not just like a concept. No. Everything is a character. Yeah. I love dolphins milk. <laughs> I don't think dolphins can make milk. They're not mammals, no, they, are they? They are. They are? Oh, 100% mammals. They got I, hair. Dolphins have hair? They have little hairs. Little hairs. Weird. Okay. Yeah, they're the mammals of the sea. I thought that was whales. I know whales are for sure. Yeah, they're similar. Okay. I guess no, they I've got seen a holes. dolphin give birth. Okay. <laughs> In Las Vegas. Interesting. Can you elaborate just a smidge? The Mirage. They just have like a dolphin birthing exhibit? Kind of. They had a videotape of a dolphin who had given birth like a month beforehand. And they just like playing it on loop. I was like eight when I saw this. Cool. (laughs) But it's funny. You just see like a dolphin swimming in the water. And then all of a sudden like, boop, a little burst of like blood. And then there's a baby dolphin there. Weird. Yeah. So they give, they, they, they're mammal. They give birth like mammals. I think the hair is like very fine or something like that, but they definitely. um, I'm saying I'm like questioning myself, but I'm like relatively sure a dolphin is. I used to be a dolphin obsessed sixth grader. Yeah. 
Dolphins are, in fact, whales or part of the whale family. Okay. Yeah. They're a specific type, though, like Cicacia or something. I forget exactly. But yeah, so if anybody wants to pick it up, it's on scrib.com, S-C-R-I-B-D.com. You can get a free month. I We are not sponsored. I Not sponsored. Just if you're weird like me and like to look at crazy uh, <laughs> writing. It's always fun, yeah. It's we love a free trial. Uh, if anybody gets through the whole thing, please let me know. Yes, please. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us for this little bonus. Uh, yeah. Again. Give us your feedback. We're always uh, here to listen. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye.